This is the Hot Take Hockey Podcast with your hosts, Lucas and John Viveros. Hey everyone, it's John here from Hot Take Hockey, joined by Lucas for episode 25 of the Hot Take Hockey Podcast. Make sure if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, uh, make sure thumbs up, rate it high, give a comment down below on the episode or just in general hockey. But Lucas, man, we just come off Super Bowl weekend, so I feel like this is kind of the time where focus full out on uh, the NHL and NBA now, but more specifically the trade deadline for the NHL. The NBA trade deadline passed, so now we're full on the NHL trade deadline. Lucas, man, how was your weekend? How was the Super Bowl? All that stuff. It was good, man. It was good. It was good. Good Super Bowl weekend. Watched a great game, as uh, as I'm sure a lot of you did out there. Um, yeah, great time with family and friends. That NBA trade deadline you just referred to, Johnny. I don't know if we're going to get trades that are that big. Yeah. Like that, w- wouldn't that be something if we did? But uh, yeah, looking forward to it now. We're Like you said, football's in the rearview mirror. Uh, NBA trade deadline is, has passed us, and it's hockey in full force uh, up until March 3rd, man. Looking forward to seeing some big moves uh, coming in the next few weeks. Yeah, pretty crazy with like the NBA, I feel like, feel like is always busier. But yeah, that's just like dream territory when it comes to the NHL. Like just seeing Kevin Durant and Kyrie just like casually traded midseason. <laughs> Like imagine, like like imagine yeah. just seeing like Crosby don't like I, yeah. <laughs> like you know like just a guy with that much. So like, the NHL longevity. level of that right now is like Eric Carlson and Patrick Kane. We're gonna get into it, yeah. but yeah, do we even to me? Do we even expect those deals to go down? Like not necessarily. There's so much smoke around it, but mm-hmm. to me, I guess there's a shot between one of those big names going. But obviously, the last couple of days, and I got some jerseys related to the conversation at the back is, and you got the hat on, Chikrin, man. I know yeah. last step or maybe it was the before, but. I'm so tired of talking about this, man. I feel bad for the guy. Like now it's just, it's straight up being told that he's not going to play until the trade happens. And he was held out. And I, I honestly, I mean, Sarah Valley talked about it. Chris Johnson talked about it. Like, have we ever seen a public statement from a team just going, yeah, this guy's not going to play tonight for trade related reasons. Like well ahead the way it was. Yeah. And multiple games. And and he's obviously, like you said, he, I think, I guess his time with the coyotes is officially done. He's not going to play another game. Right. Until yeah. he's dealt. I mean, Everybody with the frustration we have that we want him to be dealt so bad, there's nobody that wants this to be over more than him, right? Yeah, worst I mean, case, like our worst kept secret in hockey right now. And yeah, I mean, worst case for him is this just goes on and he's just sitting. Like, yeah. Because the Coyotes have just locked it into the whole league that he's getting dealt. And if the Kings want to be particular about the return now, and even Saravelli today is throwing out the fact that teams are even requesting the Coyotes to retain one or two million off that. Like it's already an unreal contract and teams are not giving up, I guess, that second first round pick that the Coyotes want unless there's retained salary. So, I mean, this is, it's such a weird situation. As I said, like more times than not, we see if a player's held out, it's like precautionary reasons, right? Not trade related reasons. So it, it just, it, it keeps up with the storyline of what we've seen the last year. Chickering's been in trade rumors for so long. And I feel bad for Brent Clark as well, because he was obviously dragged into the trade discussion yeah. yesterday, and that's sort yeah. of been shut down by Friedman and yeah. by other sources. But I mean, oh, yesterday, especially on Super Bowl, or obviously we're recording this on Monday, on yeah. Super Bowl Sunday, this is blowing up on Twitter. And I just sort of tuned out to it later in the afternoon because I was so focused on the Super Bowl. And I was I was very confident I was going to check my phone at the halftime show and just see he was dealt uh, to the Kings and it, and it didn't go through. So it's definitely, uh, as Friedman reported today, like caused some curiosity amongst other teams that were are, that were interested in him. And now yeah. that they see the door creeped back open, they thought it was closed, it's back open. A lot of teams are, uh, are back in the mix for uh, adding Jacob Chikorin. Yeah. And Lucas, I want to have this conversation with you because I want to get your thoughts because I've talked to a bunch of people that uh, whether they 
are inside the hockey insider universe a little bit or, or work for hockey organizations. Like last year when it came to uh, the Jack Eichel trade, and this is where I think some insiders come into play in terms of screwing around trade negotiations. And this goes back even to a couple of weeks ago when Elliot Freeman was blamed uh, by fans for basically like releasing information that kind of swayed the the talks. And what I was saying with Eichel last year is that um, the the rumor was that multiple insiders were being kind of fed information about the Flames being close to trading for Jack Eichel just so Vegas would give up the assets that they were requesting. So I wonder, like, I'm not saying this was like, I don't want to bash anyone here, but there was a few people yesterday that were talking about Brant Clark. I wonder if information was slipped or certain things are slipped just to raise the prices from other people. Cause like Brant Clark, that's no like small piece whatsoever. That's like no. me, one of the best by far defense prospects in the league right now. And yeah, he got sent down and he's playing for the Colts. But I mean, Lucas, I think I told you this. I just watched Barry play in Sudbury and Brant Clark, uh, the Colts beat the Wolves 2-1. Brant yep. Clark, primary assist on both goals, including the game winner in overtime. Unreal, bro. Unreal to watch. So when I saw that, I made a video about it. I was shocked. And if the Coyotes are getting to me just Brant Clark in return, I think that's a dub. Uh, they that's want, yeah. a hot take. But yeah. what do you think of all that, man? Especially, like I said, with maybe insiders being a part of, I don't know, trade negotiations changing, yeah. like teams trying to slip stuff so things change. I don't know. That's a good link, John. That is a really good link and an interesting like conversation to really bring up because it's almost like you know other teams would want that information to leak out um, yeah. on the LA Kings um, to to sort of create tension, right, between LA and Arizona in the discussion, and yeah. then obviously L- LA gets frustrated that this information's leaked out, and and maybe it falls through, and then the, the third team comes swooping in and grabs them, like what you just said with the Jack Eichel example. So yeah, it can go in yeah. so many different directions. Yeah, yeah, it could, it can, but I mean, it's it's definitely an interesting topic, and 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 in the world we live in today, and and how information is just, you know, from one phone call, it's all of a sudden on Twitter five minutes later, it can be done that quickly. Yeah. Um, it's interesting when there's so many different contacts that that could have inside access to this information that really leaking it and being that that sort of hero that does it, um, yeah, is sometimes on people's mind, right? That's what I was going to say. I think it's maybe a little bit of both. I also think going back to your conversation at the start is like maybe the NHL and so many insiders around hockey are just not used to so many big names like this being in talks like at once, like Jacob Chikrin, Timo Meyer, Patrick Kane, Tarasenko just got traded. Like go down the list. There's so many guys that Eric Carlson, we're going to talk about that. So I wonder if it's that, but what you just said too, it's like, I wonder if some insiders are like getting ahead of themselves a little bit. Like they just hear one rumble. It's like, Oh, I want to get ahead of that and be that guy. Uh, and I also think just with the industry too, I mean, Hey, this is from a smart media background. It's like so many people are always competing for just that small little edge. So if yeah. they get even a piece of information, Hey, if they're wrong, sure. They get, might get bashed a bit, but if they're right, they're going to be a hero. Yeah. They're, they're the hero. hero they're getting creds from left and right. Freeman will give them creds. Everyone's going to give them creds. So I don't know. I think, there's certain things where they come out and you're just, okay, let's wait for Friedman or let's wait for one of the top dogs to really say something. But I mean, that's kind of what happens with the trade deadline, but I think more so the NHL trade deadline. A lot of people are on edge right now and more so this Chickering situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, oh, tra- yeah. yeah, I was going to say transition to the to another star, uh, Mr. Patrick Kane. And, yeah. and obviously the story came out last week on after Tarasenko was dealt to the Rangers, Patrick Kane made it known that, you know, that was a destination that he had in mind. And and, and if he was going to leave Chicago, that that was the destination that was really appealing to him. 
to move on to. So what is your initial reaction to Patrick Kane's comments? And and obviously the Rangers uh, deciding to go into a different direction with Tarasenko. Yeah. I, I made a video a little bit talking about it. Like, I, I don't know. I just, to me, I wonder if the Rangers looked at it and, and to me, this is probably what it is. I wonder if the Rangers looked at it and just went, okay, the price point is just, there's too much of a gap here from what we're giving up for Tarasenko and what we're giving up for Patrick Kane. And sure, Patrick Kane would be a great fit with Panarin as a bit of job. That'd be the best line in hockey automatically. But Hey, I mean, Tarasenko talked about being friends with Panarin, talked about that instant chemistry, and they literally scored off the first goal in that game. I had, bro, I had Tarasenko uh, a goal for that prop bet. So nice. I was like, I was like, nice. hey, maybe you should have got a little greedy and went for the first goal at night, but I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. As much as I thought the chemistry might hit in that game, uh, in the first five minutes of the game, Panarin and Tarasenko, you couldn't have written it up better. So, uh, you know what? I, I think it was a smart move for the Rangers. You know what, Panarin with Patty Kander, Panarin with Tarasenko, I think the chemistry would have hit either way. The only thing I'll say is like Patrick Kane in the playoffs is insane, but we also saw Tarasenko in the playoffs going crazy and, and obviously on the cup run. So I think either way, the Rangers were seeing playoff experience and obviously that chemistry, and then they probably were giving up a lot less for Tarasenko. Yeah, and Tarasenko is one of those guys too that I think uh, a lot of people around the league may have you know, look down on him uh, as an asset this season, yeah. uh, as the season's gone on, and he doesn't look as, you know, motivated as in years And going past. into the deal, he only had 10 goals, right? Yeah, he only had 10 goals. He's on a down year, and I, I think a lot of it is, you know, that Blues team is just in such uh, disarray this season yeah. that it was very tough to get, you know, for anybody over there right now to get juiced up to play to play a game so tarasenko joining the rangers i think is a sweet fit man like i think that line is a, is a top five line in the league uh the rest of the way um but yeah patrick kane specifically i actually admire the guy coming out and saying the comments that he did because you know it's almost like you don't get that often yeah we don't get that often in hockey specifically right yeah. like i feel like other sports players are more outspoken with how they feel and how when when moves are made in hockey, it's a little closer to the chest for the players. And I, I actually appreciate that Patrick King came out and said, you know what, that was the spot that kind of caught my eye. And we'll see if there's yeah. another spot that emerges that he you know shows interest in. Um, we'll see on that one. Yeah, I think there was conversations about the market and fit, obviously, with Panarin. And that's kind of, kind of why it scares me, Lucas, because the Boston Bruins on a lot of these players have just been super sneaky, like the Chicker and conversations, the Patrick Kane conversation. So that makes me a bit nervous. But I do think that when it comes to these big names, especially in a situation like Patrick Kane, who's nearing towards the end of his career somewhat, uh, you want to be selective a bit. You want to, you don't want to just get traded. Sure. For, I mean, Chicago's perspective, uh, they want the biggest package and I'm sure Patrick Kane will respect some loyalty there, but I mean, he controls his future. So he's not just going to go to a random team. The Rangers were probably at the top of his list, but I would imagine there's a couple other markets he's looking at, including Boston. So I don't know. We'll see if Patrick oh, Kane still has that interest in playing with a with a top player because if it's a, seriously a top center that he's looking at, I'm looking at McDavid and, and Matthews. But again, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. But uh, Lucas, I wanted to throw something at you just because so everyone listening, watching, we got a big guest. We're bringing on Mark Spector, senior columnist with Sportsnet. Uh, you probably know him best through Sportsnet. So Oilers chat and, and talking about these big names whether it's a patrick kane or we've talked about chicken and all these names eric carlson is a big one right now but i also want to look at another canadian team too and i want to ask mark about it so winnipeg jets edmonton oilers i think these are the two teams we're probably unless the flames can really pick up their act here if you had to pick one team right now lucas to make a big splash between these two canadian teams or at least go far 
who are you putting your eggs? Like what basket are you putting your eggs in right now? Cause I think the Oilers obviously have the star power. Um, I shouldn't say the jets don't, but the jets, yeah. I think are just more, I would say overall balanced. In so in, ter- in terms of who's more likely to make, yeah, the who deal? like who, well, I was going to say in terms of potential of making moves at the deadline, but just right mm-hmm. now based on potential of moves, potential going into the playoffs, like, who do you who have higher on? Yeah. Who are you higher it, on? Yeah. I, I think it's tough. It's actually a really good call. I'd say I'm higher on, on Edmonton. I'm going to default to Edmonton um, because of the last few years and the, and the playoff success, you know, semi success that they've had and, yeah. um, you know, bringing in Jack Campbell and Jack Campbell's looking a lot, a lot, lot better than he did early on in the season. And this is that sort of hot Jack Campbell that you see in the two sides yeah. of him. Um, so, so I'd say the Oilers, I think that, with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, I can't I can't doubt those guys. And and the Jets are one of those teams where they've sort of gone back and forth on being a contender, a pretender out of the playoffs and in the playoffs. So I'm not uh, I'm not going to side with Winnipeg on this one. I'm going to go with Edmonton, and I think that a defenseman for them uh, is definitely crucial, as well as you know maybe adding a, a top six forward uh, alongside McDavid and Dreisaitl. So I'm 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 going to go with the Oilers. What about you, John? Yeah, on top of that conversation too, I want to say like to me, I think Winnipeg. I look at Winnipeg as more of a tinkering team going to this deadline. And I honestly mm-hmm. want to be wrong because for every team I talk about this in that way, I want to be wrong because I want to see the big deals happen. But for Winnipeg, whether it's like a Johnny Taves or like a different middle six guy, I feel like that's more their direction because I, I think defense, they're pretty established and obviously mm-hmm. in net they're and established. Uh, the Oilers, there's so many rumors of that big swing. And I feel like I've talked to so many Oilers fans or people around the Oilers this year. And it's like Tyson Berry's played his role really well, like on the power play really well. All the guys love him like obviously on the ice in that situation, but also off the ice. But going back to the Eric Carlson conversation, I want to talk about that with Mark as well. Is like, if Eric Carlson's coming in, Barry's, Barry's got to be going out. Like he's yeah. gotten, not even just because of the cap hit. And I've talked about the cap hit. I mean, if, even if Carlson, there's some retained cap there, you still have to see like pull Yarvi and another major contract going back the other way. And I also look at it as just like Eric Carlson, his success to me. Yeah, sure. It's a confidence thing, but it's also like the fit, Thing. because Brent Burns goes out. I don't think it's a coincidence that Eric Carlson explodes when Burns leaves. So I think that's where Eric Carlson needs to be. He needs to be the number one power play and have no confidence, like feel like he's the guy and that's it. Like there's no room for another guy being in that equation. And Barry would unfortunately for him compete. I mean, and John, I think- John, John, isn't, isn't Barry exactly like that though, too? Yeah. Because I, I actually listened to uh, Barry's Chicklets interview a few episodes back for those guys. And uh, he actually said that directly on there, that Toronto was a tough transition for him. Because when he got there, he was immediately like, well, Morgan Riley's here. Uh, yeah. Where am I fitting on the first power play? Like, that's always been his role. So yeah. they they both sort of have that same, uh, you know, outlook on they need to be the guy, you know, yeah, especially on, on PP1, right? So absolutely, you're, you're bang on. If Carlson's coming in, Barry's got to be the one going out, I'd imagine. Yeah, I know that's what I'm saying. A lot of people around the Oilers have just felt that Barry won't be moved. Like he's he's done well. So if they're going for the big swing, and you know what's crazy? Like I'll pull up some sources at, even as we talk to Mark, but it's like Edmondson was tied to the Oilers, but there's been cold water kind of poured on that. There was talks of Gavrikov, but apparently the, like the extension ahead of time has been difficult to make happen. Uh, I know that there's been, oh, Jake McCabe. I'm pretty sure I, I would have to correct this source. So don't hold me to it, people in the comments, but I'm pretty sure Jake McCabe has a modified no trade clause. And I think there was a rumor that the Oilers are on it. Yeah. He does have a modified no trades clause. I know that for sure. So I, I uh, think there was a rumor floating that the Oilers are on that. So okay. that's another interesting dynamic. If it's like the Oilers are limited on defense additions and like the big players for the Oilers, including McDavid and Drysaddle just want that big star puck moving guy. 
I mean, Carlson's such an obvious choice, right? Like, the yeah, most absolutely. Obvious <laughs> absolutely. And I think uh, when you're, when you're comparing Edmonton and Winnipeg, I do like the connection you made there too. Cause there's another layer and that's that uh, for Edmonton, this is do or die time. Like yeah. we're getting there, right? McDavid and Dreisaitl have to be given the opportunity uh, with that big swing and that big ad that shows that management and ownership show them that we're going for it. Like we believe in you guys, we're going to get it done. And Winnipeg actually has that same sort of mentality in a different sort of way because Shevel Dayoff's been there forever. Yeah. And this is kind of his version of, of a last dance in a way because he's had so many years to get something done. Um, so it, it, this is, it's either him. Uh, I mean, I think it's him that's on the way out next. He's made the coaching change. He's yep. had the same core. So this is on him to make that big splash. So, well, and if people remember lot, like this past summer, it was a conversation of, are the jets going to blow it up? Like all the Dubois yep. drama yep. and all these things happening. And now Morrissey's had like a Norris level year. Shifley's rebounded. Dubois having a great year. So it's like all these things, obviously Kyle Carlebuck. Yeah. So everybody. The Jets, it's interesting here because this is, is this like a last run kind of thing before maybe they make another big change or make big change in the offseason? As you just said, shovel day off and that yep. feeling. So, and to me, you know what, Lucas, I'll say this for people listening. I think if I took a one versus one right now, who I'm, I'm seeing more prepared for a series like 1v1, I'm taking the Jets. But the thing is that we have to consider. The Jets probably have a much tougher path to the conference final than the Oilers do. I, I look at that Pacific division. And I think it's wide open and the Golden Knights have fallen off at times. So it's like the Jets have to pass potentially the Avalanche and the Stars. Yeah. That's no easy feat. So uh, to me, 1v1, sure, I might be taking Jets for, for certain reasons. But in terms of the scenario both teams are in, I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think the Oilers have the better opportunity. They just got to get into the playoffs. And I, I honestly will say, if they make that addition for like an EK or something, uh, I'm taking them. I'm taking them for a conference final minimum. Wow. Minimum if they get an addition, an addition like that. So we'll see. But Oilers talk going right into our transition with our guest, Mark Spector from Sportsnet. And we'll chat with him about Oilers, some hockey, and yeah, the race to the playoffs. Let's talk with Mark Spector. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Hot Take Hockey Podcast. We've got Mark Spector you probably know him through his work with Sportsnet, senior columnist with Sportsnet, and a lot of his coverage with the Oilers. Mark, thank you so much for joining. How are you doing today? Pleasure to be here, my friend. How's it going out there? It's good, man. We're in the Toronto market, but I would say right now, especially with all the defense conversations, the Oilers are are hot in the uh, the trade rumor conversation. Uh, just for yourself right now, covering how, how's the season been? How's all the coverage been? And just, hey, the Oilers looking for another playoff run. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, you know. They uh, I just got off the phone with Ken Holland a couple hours ago, and wow. and everybody wants, you know, every, in the summertime, everyone wants you to sign your guys, right? Yeah. So last yeah. summer, for the, two summers ago, it was Zach Hyman, and it was Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and everyone wanted those guys signed, and they signed them, and they're both really good deals right now. Both guys are trending for ninety points this year. They're making like five point one and five point five. Then the next summer, the orders go four, three rounds, and everyone says, You got to sign Evander Kane. So Ken Oller goes out and he signs Evander Kane. And they say, You got to go sign a goalie. So he goes out and he signs Jack Campbell and he signs Brett Kulak. And he spends all his money. He's right to the cap. And now the trade deadline comes and everybody <laughs> says, Go get Eric Carlson at 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible, right? You can't be buying and buying and buying all year long. Uh, I sense Ken Hollow might just be out of money here. 
Yeah, it's interesting. interesting because I think, well, it's always a conversation of you can't make fans happy. You're you're always looking for more. Fans are always wanting more. But I think it's also just easier for fans to feel that way when you have a guy like Connor McDavid on your team and you have a guy like Leon Dressel on your team. I mean, the, the window becomes small very quickly. So uh, for yourself, just covering the team, uh, how do you feel about the team right now? And we were kind of just talking about it going into our, our chat is, that Pacific division is wide open. And while the Oilers have had their struggles, I mean, it's their division that they still want it, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I think the whole West is wide open. You know, I think a year ago, certainly you're right in the Pacific. Uh, there's there's not a team in the Pacific where I go, well, there's no way you're beating them. It's wide open. Edmonton could win it. Vegas could win it. I mean, L.A., they, it sounds like if, if they do get Chikrin, who knows? Maybe they win it. But it's open. Yeah. And, and I would extend that to the Western Conference. A year ago... We all looked at the Colorado Avalanche and said, man, like what did Daryl Sider yeah. call it? Eight wasted days playing in the playoffs? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was right. You know, the Oilers wasted eight days in the Western Conference final, lost four straight. They could have won a couple of those games, but they weren't winning that series and everybody knew it. Uh, right now, today, Colorado's not that team, right? They've got a bunch of injuries. They've had some guys out. They're still really good. Dallas is really good. I like Winnipeg a lot. I'm not saying it's easy, but only one team's coming out of that central. And at this point, that team isn't what Colorado was a year ago. So, yeah, if you're the Edmonton Oilers, man, it's time. You took a three-round run last year. You got the two highest-scoring players in the league for the last five years. Uh, if not now, when, right? It's time for sure. Yeah, Mark. And when you got two of the top scorers in the league – Plus, you got all those additions you just said. Zach Hyman on a 90-point pace. Jack Campbell now finding his game uh, and looking really, really, really good the last handful of weeks. Um, then what is that key piece that, you know, it might not be the the, the sexiest shiny toy that everyone's alluding to with Eric Carlson, um, but what is that piece that the Oilers, in, in your opinion, are going to zero in on as we approach the deadline? Well, you know, it's a moving target, Lucas, right? It's, it's like a month ago I'd have told you, it's Joel Edmondson or it's Gavrikov, right? Mm -hmm. Because to me, I've always said about this team, they score enough. They got to figure out how to keep it out of their net. Well, now their goaltend has come around quite a bit. And now they got a kid here named Philip Broberg who's taken a huge step. And he's starting to play really, really well. Might be able to take a few minutes away from Darnell Nurse, who probably plays a few minutes too many, right? Uh, a kid, you guys know Brett Kulak. Yep. He's just a, probably a number five on most teams. Boy, he stepped his game up, but he's been good. Um, so they got they bring in a big gnarly guy named Vincent DeHarnay off the farm. All of a sudden, he's fighting Arbor Jack guy, yeah. and he looks like he can play. Yeah. So now I say, like, I'm not saying that that, that these defensemen out there, these stay-at-home types, aren't better than the guys they have. But are they that much better? And are they worth spending a first-round pick on? Or do you take that first-round pick and go to the market and, get, and go after a forward like a Kane or a, a Timo Meyer or someone like that and make that big splash? I'm kind of starting to change my mind on that, boys. Yeah, so I guess, Mark, where is that direction? Because I've seen so many Oilers fans mix. And I, and I want to tie this into also a Tyson Berry conversation because all the Oilers fans – I feel like that want Eric Carlson, want that big move. I feel like I've also been in that conversation of saying Tyson Berry has been a great fit this year. Everyone loves him and he's, he's played his role well. So I've Lucas and I were having this conversation. It's like, 
if you bring a big name on the defense, especially an Eric Carlson, Tyson Berry's, and we saw that problem in Toronto, his role diminishes and he goes through those struggles. He doesn't have that fit and have that role anymore. Um, so if you go for that big swing, you're also losing that asset in Tyson Berry, but you're also probably trading some of the names you just said, either the first, but maybe Broberg or Holloway. Uh, right. Do you do you think Oilers, at least from what you've seen and heard from fans, do you think the response would be pretty negative if they lost like two of those big assets, but it, it meant getting a big name? Well, let's talk Carlson specifically, okay? If you, tra- if you trade for Eric Carlson, you might as well trade... Firstly, you have to trade Tyson Berry back because you got to get some yeah. salary out. You might as yeah. well trade Tyson Berry back because Eric Carlson's a better Tyson Berry. Yeah. You don't need, I mean, I like Tyson Berry a lot, but I'm here to tell you, you probably don't need both guys. So, sure, you trade Tyson Berry back. Uh, but the problem on a Carlson trade is depending on how much San Jose is willing to, to retain, and there's a history that says probably not much. Uh, you got to try to trade out $11 million in salary here. You know, the orders played in Montreal on Sunday. They had a 22-man roster. Let's say they, just for fun, let's say they trade Barry for Carlson. Okay, that's one for one. Then they got to add in $3 million of Jesse Pujarvi. So that's another guy they lose. Then they probably got to add in another guy like Warren Fogle to make the money work. And they're still not at 11.5. So we're counting on the San Jose Sharks to eat some salary here. So, before we even talk, guys, about the first-round pick and the really good prospect that San Jose wants, whether it's Broberg or Evan Bouchard or Dylan Holloway or whoever it is, now you're already down two players. You got a twenty. You bring in Carlson. You got a twenty-man roster for the rest of the season, right? So, yeah. the whole premise of bringing in Eric Carlson is to make a four-round run. Are you gonna make a four-round run with a? a certainly down the stretch with 20 players and in the playoffs. Now you can bring up more guys. I understand that, but all your depth guys, you just traded away. The guys you're bringing up are minor league players. So is Carlson that good? I'm not sure anyone's that good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Honestly with you, Mark, I feel like it does subtract a lot from the depth and we've seen as rounds go in the playoffs and you get deeper and deeper into them. You need those guys on the third and fourth line to chip, and you need those guys in the third pair to to, to do their work, right? So right. you need I, a new I, hero every night in the playoffs. And absolutely. if you trade all your candidates, there's no you run out of heroes awful quick, right? Yeah. And my favorite hero, always looking back on it, is is Maxime Talbot when he went on that run with with Pittsburgh yeah. and he was scoring all those big goals, like a guy like that, right? And who knows, Warren Fogel could be that guy or or Jesse Pulyarvi. I actually did want to ask you about and I had it written down about Pulyarvi. Because I feel like this asset in general and just this player in general has has seen so many ups and downs in the Edmonton market. And I feel like we've seen him traded out of Edmonton so many times. Uh, and, and here we are. He's still there. Um, do you see <laughs> in general, Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, you know, on the Oilers going into the playoffs this this season and, and, and them hanging on to him um, past the deadline? You know what? I can't see it. And the reason I can't see it is he makes $3 million. And they're a money-in, money-out team. This is an LTIR team, and you guys know, and I'm sure our viewers and listeners know, when you're deep in LTIR, when you get a guy at the deadline that makes $6 bucks, you're not just taking the last part of the year, the, the million and a half. You got to clear $6 million mm-hmm. to take that pair on, on March 3rd. So, so just by finances uh, – Jesse Pugliarvi has worked his way down to basically be in their last forward here. 
Uh, Devin Shore just got cleared waivers. He'll be going down to Bakersfield. The last guy in their forward lineup, gentlemen, is Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, just because that's where he's found himself. He's played himself into that position. So when they make a trade, they will do something here. The orders are Kenny Holland every year adds something. He's got a good team. He wants to add to it. But the casualty going the other way, I at this point, unless a whole bunch of stuff changes and a bunch of injuries come and everything different, at this point, Jesse Poyarvi has played himself into the position where he's going to be the $3 million going the other way. I was going to say, based on that too, uh, Yamamoto coming in, where do you see his fit? Because I know we've seen him at times on the top line. We've seen him at times well down in the bottom six. Where do you see Yamamoto in, in terms of the fit on this team? Really good question. I mean, he's been injured all year, so it's, it's sort of not fair to, to judge his yeah. production this year because he's been hurt since training camp. All In and out and in and out, he's got some neck issue. I am not sure. I, I'll tell you right now, I don't think Kyler Yamamoto was a top six player in this league. I don't think he's a top six right winger. Yeah. Um, and at five foot eight and 150 pounds, is he a bottom six winger? You know, maybe not on my team, right? Mm -hmm. like, I like the player, but I don't like guys who weigh 150 pounds in my bottom six unless they play the game like Gallagher plays it or like Josh Archibald plays it. Uh, and I'm here to tell you, he's had a lot of time in the top six next to two of the best centers in the world, sure. and he doesn't light it up. He scores you two goals a month. So I think there, he's got one more year left in his contract at 3.1, and then I think there's a bit of a reckoning coming here. He either has to tear it up next year Yamamoto and become something he hasn't been yet or he's going to have to take a look at his career and and maybe do the Andrew Cogliano <laughs> and turn into that that fast skating hard checking third fourth line guy yeah yeah uh, Mark I also wanted to ask you just overall your sense because we just talked about the Western Conference being wide open uh what's your overall sense of because the trade deadline I feel like it's every year we talk about how busy it's going to be but there's been so many big names uh, what's your sense on if these deals will actually happen or what's your sense on like, if we're actually going to see a busy trade deadline? Uh, I think we'll see a busy trade deadline. I think we will. I think we'll see, we'll see Meyer move. We'll see Chikrin move. Finally. And remember Chikrin has been hanging around oh, here. On so trade long. <laughs> yeah. Forever. Right. So, you know, it's obviously a hard trade to make it. It's clear to me that Arizona is asking for more than market value or he'd have moved already because he's a good yeah. player. Um, I will see some guys move, but I think we've got probably, here's the deal. All the good teams, the teams that would want or take a guy like a Meyer or a Carlson or a Kane or a Taves, they're all capped out, right? Every one of them. Yep. And all the teams that can afford to take those guys, no problem. Well, they're not trading for those guys at the deadline because they're going nowhere, right? So yep. it's a kind of a goofy situation. The guys with, with no term left, They'll move. Someone, if Kane wants to go somewhere, you can make it work because Chicago will eat half that salary. Same with Taves. Uh, same with Timo Meyer, right? It's the guys like Carlson with four years left that trying to make that trade in season, boys. It's, it's, I don't think you can make that trade in season, to be honest. Yeah, I, I once thought that contract was never going to be able to be moved uh, at the way Carlson was playing. And he, all of a sudden, the fact that this is even on the table and discussed is, is a credit to Eric Carlson and how great he's played Unreal this season, year. right? Like unbelievable. Um, Mark, let's, let's zero in on, <laughs> I'm trying to pick your brain and zero in on a, 
on a player or a style of player when it comes to the forward. Let's let's say it's a forward for Edmonton, right? That they're going to add at the deadline. And the Oilers already have one of the best, if not the best, top six, I'll say, in the league. Uh, one of the best. And if they were to add one more big piece, I'm sure it would be the best. When you got McDavid, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, list goes on. Yeah. Um, let's say, uh, you know, you have Timo Meyer, an impact winger like that, Patrick Kane, an impact winger like that. Uh, mind you, later in his career now. Or is it more of a guy to shore up the center depth, like a Ryan O'Reilly type piece, or a or like an or like a Nick Paul, what Tampa did last year? Yeah, let's say. What would you err on uh, if you had to give your best guess? More of the impact winger or the versatile can slide into second and third line winger center type player. If you told me you could put Ryan O'Reilly on this team, I would say put him on there and make everything else work. Yeah, you know. Uh, right now, their third-line center options are either Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who is not, in my mind, a classic third-line w- uh, centerman. I think he's a top-six left winger on a really good team. That's what he is. Uh, then you have Ryan McLeod. In my opinion, he might be there one day. He's not there two-day. Uh, he's a good young player. I like him. He, he's one of those cheap young contracts you need on every good team, right? Mm-hmm. The Oilers have a few of those, and those guys are playing okay. Holloway is a good young player. McLeod's a good young player. Broberg's cheap and young and good. Bouchard's still on his ELC. They got enough of those guys. Uh, To me, they need a guy that can win a key face-off late, a guy that can defend a 2-1 lead late. Uh, If you gave me the choice, and we're we're throwing away cap hits and all the requisite stuff here, of all the players that are moving at the deadline, and you can put one on the Edmonton Oilers, to me, you give me Ryan O'Reilly and I walk away with a like I just robbed the bank. <laughs> yeah, I think I wonder if the Blues, well, these two teams were talking about the Blues and Sharks because I look at the Blues and I'm like Ryan O'Reilly, Barbashev, kind of what you talked about, Lucas. It's like those two guys I could see as fits for the Oilers. And I also look at the Sharks, like even if they're talking about uh, guys like Meyer and Carlson, I wonder if like the Sharks have quite a few depth guys. Like even a guy, I'm not saying this is necessarily for the Oilers, but a guy like Nick Benino, he had. Mm-hmm the crazy playoff pedigree there. So I wonder if there's guys like that, that slip under the radar, but maybe a third or fourth round pick. And, and I wonder if that becomes like a pool type deal, because then the, the cap just matches. And then you're also adding a guy that fits what you're looking for in the playoffs. Yeah. I think this is what I think for sure. Uh, again, they're a dollar in dollar out team. I think that no matter whether or not Holland could hit any version of a double or a triple or a home run up near the top of his lineup, you know, with a, with a, one of these really good players we're talking about, yeah. he will find some help. He'll find a, a Sam Lafferty out of Chicago. You know, yeah. Yeah. he'll find um, one of those depth guys. Last year, he brought in Derek Broussard. Didn't have the impact he hoped, but that's what he was shooting for. So I do for sure think he will bring in uh, one of those guys, maybe even a depth defense. They brought in a guy last year, Ryan Murray, to sort of be their number seven. Yeah. He's hurt. I'm not sure he's going to play again all year. If they could find a, you know, I'm not, maybe not, maybe Luke Shen shooting a little high here, but a guy that does what Luke Shen can do. Uh, you got 3 million going out in Polyarvi that might be able to facilitate that if you can find cheaper guys. So I, he won't do nothing. I think it's just the degree of the something he does that we're all questioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mark, back to the, the start here, because I know we threw out a couple of names like Edmondson and Gavrikov. Do you think there's a possibility that the Oilers throw out a first 
for a defenseman that's not named Eric Carlson? Because I just I think that was the concern for some Oilers fans, where you're going to see your t- your news timeline, and all of a sudden the Oilers are giving up a first for Edmondson. I agree, and and I don't know that you'll get a first at this point. You know, first of all, let's talk about the player Edmondson. He's been out for a while; his back's out again, yeah. right? He missed the Edmonton game there on Sunday. I think he's been out for at least three games. Mm-hmm. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That's the issue with Edmondson. I love Joel Edmondson. He's a big, strong, shutdown, heavy, cycle busting, tough, experienced leader type guy. Play for my team every day. But am I giving up a first round pick for a guy that could play three playoff games and his back is punched? And then I got him next year too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. Uh, Gavrikov. Uh, I think that you know there's two sides to playing in Columbus, boys. One side is a lot of people don't watch you play, so no one really knows if you're good or bad. The other side is when your name comes out as early as his did and everybody starts looking at you every day, we start to realize, man, he doesn't make a lot of passes tape to tape. A lot of them go off the glass first. <laughs> so here in Edmonton, I, I'm not going to tell you this isn't a team. Ken Holland's a veteran guy. He knows how to run a team. He knows how to deal with star players. But when you're making this move, they consult Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl because those guys are the men here. They're the guys. Yes, your captain and McDavid, best player in the world. Those guys want a player closer to Carlson's skill set. They want to puck on the tape. They don't want to fish it out of the corner. So that's the line they walk in Edmonton. They got a ton of skill, and those skill guys want more skill. But the G, we all learned, you know, Mark Messier didn't GM the Vancouver Canucks very well. Uh, you can't let the players GM your team. So this is the the push and the pull here in Edmonton. Ken Holland wants to bring in the right player, but he also wants him to bring in players that his best players want to play with. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you because that's kind of in the conversation uh, around is that that's what the big players want. They want the guy that's going to get them the puck versus just, uh, yeah. and that's why the Tyson Berry love is there. And I was also going to ask you, is that why a gosh to spare potential fit for could work for the Oilers? Yeah, because there's a there's a skill guy who's not making a ton and who wouldn't cost you a ton, right? He's not in the car. Especially coming off an injury. By the time he comes back, he'll be in around that deadline. Right. I mean, that's it. And you're hoping he's going to help you a bit. And he is a skill guy. Now, I don't know. In a, I, you know, And if I'm going to play Ken Holland now, I got to put Gostas Bear on the ice in five on five in a big heavy series against Winnipeg or Dallas. Is that what I want to do? How much How much ice? Now, this is the team that plays 11 and 7, remember, guys. The Oilers mm-hmm. play, have been, they've been very successful since Christmas, and almost every game they've yeah. played seven defensemen. So you can hide them a bit. You can hide them a bit. Uh, but Gostas Barry, if you don't like Barry in his own end, and I don't mind him, boy, oh, boy, Gostas Barry, I don't think he's as good a defensive player as Barry is, do you? Yeah, it's going to be a very similar thing. And I think that's why it's always uh, – Lucas, I feel like we see this with Leafland all the time. It's like the grass is not always greener. So fans are always plucking players from other teams, uh, not realizing it's going to be the exact same situation. <laughs> grass yeah. is not always. Sometimes you get a guy that didn't work somewhere else. Like Barry's a great example. Yeah. Barry didn't work in Toronto. For Cody CC is another example. <laughs> yeah, CC didn't work in Toronto. And they get this crap because it didn't work in Toronto that they're bad players. They're not bad players. They just weren't great players in Toronto. And there's, you got to, 
you got to delineate between that, right? It's yeah. a sort of the Larry Murphy rule, isn't it? Yep, yep. That's the famous <laughs> one. Hyman, I mean, Hyman worked in Toronto, just not this well. I, I could have never foresaw this coming. I mean, wow, unbelievable the way he's playing uh, in Edmonton this year. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think here's a guy that didn't play till he was older, right? Mm-hmm. He didn't join the league till he was like 23, right? Yep, 23, 24. Uh, yeah, so now, you know what? He's kind of like he's coming into his prime a couple of years later because he started a little later. He's a better player even than he was in Toronto. And don't count me as one of those guys that says Toronto didn't know what they had or Toronto fans didn't know. I, I know everyone in Toronto loved this guy. They did, yeah. and for good reason. I criticize Kyle Dubas for not saying, this is the exact guy my team needs. This is what my team is missing. I know they ran out of cap space for this guy. To me, that was poor management. They should have saved cap space for that exact player because that's the kind of guy, when I look at Toronto's roster, that's what they're missing, right? Right now, yep. Him and uh, Marchment would be another guy, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you got to recognize we don't have enough Hyman, we don't have enough Marchment, and if i got to clear cap space and get rid of some soft skill, that's what i got to do. I think in the end, we'll criticize Dubas for that, but Hyman is a unbelievable good player a he's become a huge leader inside the order's dressing room uh he is a major part of what's going on in edmonton for sure yeah Yeah, i I did want to add to that point yeah it's all about fit too and just going to the playoffs and i'm sure the leafs would love bunting on one line and hyman on one line eh, lucas right that would be (laughs) unbelievable wouldn't it um mark i had one more for you too i wanted to just quickly circle back to the goaltending and jack campbell obviously at the start of the season you know, it wasn't what, uh, you know, a lot of Oilers fans had hoped for and had seen in him late late in the season last year for Toronto, right? And into the playoffs, he played pretty well uh, against Tampa. He's starting to find his game now and get rolling. And he's been known as that goalie that's hot and cold. Um, how do the Oilers, uh, how do the Oilers fans and just how is the market feeling about the goaltending for Edmonton getting, uh, you know, going down the stretch and into the playoffs now? And, and obviously with Stuart Skinner uh, uh, as part of that conversation. Well, uh, thankfully, this wasn't a situation where it was Campbell and nobody. I mean, I yeah. guess it was. Yeah. Whoever really, who outside Edmonton heard of Stuart Skinner before the season? So the good news is that nobody turned into somebody. If this was Campbell and a guy that couldn't play very well, it would be total panic here. Oh, yeah. Stu Skinner has bought Campbell time to find himself. And you sort of feel like, again, if Campbell's going to be a hot and cold guy, maybe when he goes cold, you got someone who can play a little bit. So, Stu Skinner's rescued the whole thing. But look, I want to say this. Look at you had Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, and finally, finally, the Koskinen contract uh expires and he's gone. He's in Europe. So Ken Holland had it wasn't like Ken Holland had five years to shop for the best goalie. He had to get a goalie last summer, right? Had to get a goalie last summer. So you go in the free agent market. Goalies make five million bucks in the free agent market. That's just the deal. You mm-hmm. don't go get a fabulous UFA goalie for two point five. You get them for five. You get them for six. Kemper already didn't want to play an Eminent once before, so you're not getting Kemper. Then you got Campbell. I'm trying to think of the third guy last year. Now I can't remember him. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, a couple of years a- ago it was Markstrom they were looking at, but I'm trying to think. Yeah, of last they tried year. for Markstrom. They couldn't get Markstrom. He chose to go to Calgary. But last summer there was three guys in the market and. They all signed for five. Oh, Huso. Huso went Huso, to Huso. That's right. Billy Huso. Yeah. Huso goes to Detroit at, I think, four and a half. So, my point is this 
people criticize Holland for getting Campbell. He had to come out of that July with a goalie. Not getting Kemper, didn't get Huso picked Campbell. They all cost around five million bucks. And is Campbell the perfect goalie? No, he's not the perfect goalie, but the, since Christmas, he's been awfully good. Uh, let's see if he can mature to the point where he can hang on to these jags of his for more than about a month. I guess yeah. we're going to find that out down the stretch here. Do you have a current gut feeling on if it's Campbell or Skinner game one? If they get, if they're there? Well, if both are playing at the top of their game, it's probably Campbell because he's a more experienced goalie. Yeah. I think the, I, guys, they just signed uh, uh, Skinner to a three-year deal starts next year. They're going to have two goalies for, I think seven, basically 7.75 signed up long-term. That's pretty good in your goal. That's good. If you're going to get saves out of two guys, you got 7.75. I don't mind that. That's not bad management. So I still think they wouldn't be at all unhappy to see Campbell take the reins here. He's taking them now. Question becomes with Jack Campbell is how long does he hang on to him? Yeah, I think the the goaltending conversation, as you said, I think there's less stress there because of Skinner, and, and obviously he's had a great um, year. But uh, yeah, I think Campbell, as you said, the experience, and obviously uh, after a couple of playoff <laughs> runs with short runs with Toronto, I think he's he's ready to go for an actual run with with this team. So uh, yeah, Mark, overall, just what you have coming up, whether it's personally or, or Sportsnet, what can people expect from you uh, with your writing and anything you got going on? Well, I'm uh, following the Oilers day by day by day. I got a piece on uh, their chances of landing Eric Carlson that should be dropping uh, sometime on, on the afternoon here. Uh, I think on Tuesday they'll be putting Jesse Pogliarvi on waivers, uh, which will definitely deserve a column. And uh, then we, I start traveling with them all the way down the road, boys. So I'll be coming through Toronto. I'll expect a cold beer from the uh, two brothers here. Yeah. <laughs> when I get to Toronto, no question about that. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> and other than that, boys, hockey, 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 all the way down the stretch. I can't wait for it. Mark, yeah. you just dropped a bombshell there at the end, too, at the Pugliarvi tomorrow. I mean, that can't go uh, unnoticed there. Yeah, it's it looks uh, – Kyler Yamamoto comes back uh, for Wednesday, a Wednesday right? yeah. team yeah. against Detroit. They got yeah. a clear – Basically, $3.1 million in salary to get him on. They waived and demoted Devin Shore on Monday, and they still need to make another move. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, they could send down Broberg. They could send down DeHarnay. They could send down Holloway. None of those guys are waiver eligible. All those guys are playing better than Jesse Pugliarvi. I sense it's going to be him that goes down. Yeah, and as we've talked about cap and cap in, cap out, like, I, I just I wonder if he just goes right through, Mark. If they don't trade him, like, because of the cap hit, I mean, maybe a, a team, a rebuilding team gives them a shot, but we've seen like, how many guys have we seen go through waivers that were attractive on the, on the outside, whether it's Vrana or even, I mean, if someone wanted to take a shot at Nedeljkovic when he went through, there's so many yeah. names. I mean, once upon a time, Luke Shen was a, was a guy that went through waivers and, and no one claimed him. And now look at the assets. So I, I wonder, the Pugliarvi one's interesting, but Mark, man, thank you. That, that beer will... I'll have to shoot Let's you a that. text when you're around Toronto and we'll get you a couple of beers because we really appreciate your time. All right, boys, you know where to find me. Thanks for having me. I for sure appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks Mark. a lot, we'll Mark. Chat soon. What a chat with Mark Spector, man. That was unbelievable. A great guest. That was a great guest. Gave us, gave us a lot. Uh, good chat about the Oilers. And I think for any Oilers fan or any Western conference fan, like that was a good conversation. Awesome, man. Like, wasn't that guy like just, just so open with, with the coverage down to earth guy. Looking forward to chat with them in the future and, and checking them, checking them for that beer uh, in mid March, yeah. eh? When the Oilers come to town.
yeah, make sure you guys go check out Mark Spector's stuff on sportsnet.ca. Uh, but yeah, Lucas, I know I don't want to talk about it too much because, hey, as you're watching, Chikrin may have already been traded. But again, this has been a conversation for so long. So just to recap, I think there's probably other defensemen the others have been on. Chikrin's a conversation with the LA Kings or maybe another team. Uh, but Lucas, man, your thoughts on Luke Shen? Because Elliot Freeman was talking about 32 thoughts. And he was going over a lot of the Chikrin conversation, but also just like a guy like Luke Shen, he poured cold water on the Tyler Myers connection to the Leafs because maybe that was a conversation at the start of the year. But I always said like, it'd have to be a contract going back the other way. Like Canucks retaining 50%. But Luke Shen, man, he talked about, I mean, it seems like Tampa, I don't know. They might be going again for more of a sexy piece, but like Luke Shen's been tied to Tampa. There was a little bit of cold water on that, but Calgary's name or team name now, Boston, Toronto, maybe like, what are your thoughts on Luke Shen, man? Well, let's start with Tyler Myers first. I think the fact that the Leafs are, you know, not in the Tyler Myers sweepstakes brought a smile to my face, I think. Right? That's a <laughs> W, T, W. No disrespect to Tyler Myers, just that contract and the way he's played. I don't really On think paper, if you're just staring at NHL.com, Lucas, and seeing yeah. the size. Height, like... weight, check, check. <laughs> yeah. But Johnny, man, for anyone who knows me outside of the pod, you know that Luke Shen's my guy. Okay, I rode with this guy. From the 08 draft, this was my guy, man. Okay. I was so happy to see him make the team in his rookie year. Didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Um, but Elliot Friedman, he said that Calgary circling in on him and Boston, those are sort of the two front runners. But Toronto has checked in on Shen. Okay. And I know it's probably a long shot. I know it's a long shot. But if Luke Shen comes home, buddy, oh my God, I'm bringing out my 08. <laughs> Maple Leafs jersey was shut on the back with the no lines, that crappy design they had. I'm wearing that to a playoff game if Luke Shen's playing for the men. Okay? Like, it's going to be – it's not going to happen. I'm not going to let my hopes get too high here. But if it does – and and the reason Friedman was talking about it, John, is because – and for the listeners out there, is because Dubas is is in on everything right now when it comes to forward, defense, bottom six, top six, everything, right? And so depending on what piece he gets up front – that's obviously going to affect, you know, what he could add on the blue line in terms of the cap coming in and out, right? So if he gets the big piece up front, maybe it's just a smaller depth piece on D. Maybe that's the Luke Shen, right? If he's still around. The one thing that's causing me, um, you know, reason to believe this isn't going to happen, especially for Toronto, is that Luke Shen, obviously his wife is expecting. And so the Canucks are trying to respect that and deal. She's expecting a right around the deadline. Yeah. So they're trying to deal him well before that to give him that time to settle in in the new spot. But We'll stay close on this one, man. And if he comes to Toronto, buddy, I can't wait to wear that jersey again. Yeah, and man, I, I've always said, again, watching Hall Saturday night, it's recency bias here, but that was just an absolute disaster. And I was just having Shen in Hall's place as the shutdown penalty kill and, and actually a physical guy. Like Luke Shen does everything that Hall does and can actually lay a big hit. Yeah, <laughs> Like everything he does. Lots of shots on the penalty PK, kill. Yep. Physical. Uh, has that right shot presence, size, like everything that Hall does. And and just in my eyes, way better, <laughs> much more controlled, uh, much more physical, much more of that presence. And I'm just looking much at more, like, the potential. More, it's like, yeah, what were you going to say? Much more like low risk. Yeah, right? low like, risk. Like yeah, you don't yeah. see Luke Shen with these horrendous giveaways that Hall does. And I, I just feel like sure, Shen gets himself maybe along the board stuck, but I just feel like Shen's strength, like 1v1, I'm taking uh shen in a 50 50 puck battle like 100 absolutely so, absolutely so, man uh and, what and, I th- and yeah sorry john i just want to say this one other thing too we talked about this with with carlson when mark specter was on 
in terms of he's exceeded expectations. He's made that contract all of a sudden worth it. And we're talking about yeah. him being dealt possibly. Uh, Luke Shen, I think, deserves all the credit in the world because this guy was left for dead. Uh, AHL player, you know, the career was fizzling out and now he's got suitors, man. He's got teams that are actually like calling up, giving up assets for him. It's unbelievable. Shout out to you. You said that he went through waivers. Like, like it's unbelievable how this guy's rebounded. Yeah. Um, you know, if he ends up staying in Vancouver in the long shot that happens, I highly doubt that. But if he ends up staying there and he gets a, you know, a deal with some term on it, I would love that for him too, just to be stationed in a, in a, in a spot that he loves. But uh, yeah, uh, keep an eye, keep a close eye on this one with Luke Shen. Yeah, Lucas, I hate putting this on you because I, I know this could be a disaster for all of us, but more so for you being a Shen guy. It's like Boston's been tied to this guy now for many weeks, and I just look at the potential fit, and I know Boston's trying to go for it. It's like uh, Shen would uh, would fit what the Bruins love, that style, and Grizzlick, McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, Carlo, Forbert, Luke Shen. Bro, the Bruins fans would love Luke Shen, though, eh? Yeah. The Bruins fan. Imagine him dropping the gloves at TD Garden in the play. Bro, this guy, he'd be a fan favorite there. And, the, and he'd be a bottom bottom pair of D. He'd be a fan favorite. It's crazy. Yeah, so that's why I wonder if if Boston or, I mean, Calgary. I just don't get the Calgary fit. I can understand that because Sutter and how the Flames like playing, but and Tanev's injury and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. If Tampa's out... I, Man, I think Boston's more likely than Toronto, and I know that's that's unfortunate, unfortunate news there. But I do think what's going to happen is the conversations right now, based on the special what Freeman said, is like Shen is going to be like a third round pick and prospect. It's just going to come down to hey, if a team comes forward with a second round pick, that's probably what ends up happening. So yeah, I think that's the interesting conversation. Anything else that you picked from the Spectre conversation, like the Oilers? What do you think? Because uh, to me. If you're looking at that team, and that's what I've talked about with Toronto so long, like the window closes so fast. And I love some of these risky moves they've made, of course. But yeah, at the times now, if you have the opportunity to add Eric Carlson, I think like you absolutely have to do it. But I just, yeah, as Mark Spector said, like it's just such a tough move to make. So that's where I think it's going to be like a pull Yarvi out, bringing like a Nick Benino type in, and then maybe like a depth defenseman like they did with like a Ryan Murray. Yeah, I, I actually, when we were talking to Mark, I, I came to the realization that I'm not, Eric Carlson isn't my number one piece that I think the Oilers should be adding. I, I like the idea of a forward more so. And and I honestly really liked either that impact forward, which was going to cost a lot more, or the Ryan O'Reilly route. I liked where, where Mark was going with that and the, the drum he was beating with that because the Oilers have always seemed to have that struggle in the third and fourth line center slots. And that's me saying that Ryan Nugent Hopkins isn't your 3C. You know, yeah. um, and man, starting trial. I was just going to yeah. say, like what Mark said about Ryan Nugent Hopkins being the left wing. You can still do the eleven forwards and seventy form with Ryan O'Reilly as your third line. Like that would be a perfect situation, bro. Right? Like Ryan O'Reilly. I think when I just I, I spouted that, thinking like, it, could that be a fit? And Mark was was going down it, and I'm like, man, that actually would be a nice fit. I, I think that's got to be one of the teams that that really has got to zero in on Ryan O'Reilly because. He would be perfect for them, man. Like he does, he checks all the boxes for you know big face-off win, uh, penalty killer, leadership yeah. that they need. You know, and the Blues were one of the teams that were tied to the Pugliarvi. Like the Blues have struggled, like change of scenery situation. So, you know what? If the Oilers and and Lucas, I, I'm sure you might hop on the Oilers wagon even more if this happens. Is like go for both O'Reilly and Bar- Barbashev, and then you're really completing a solid third line right there. 
Yeah, and Paul Yarvey is going to get. I think he would be, uh, you know, somewhat appealing to St. Louis in a way because it's a it's a guy who's got talent, right? It's there's no question he's got the talent. He just hasn't pieced it together, and Edmonton's not really been a great spot for him. Um, and with St. Louis going through this transition phase, maybe it's a guy they can plug into their lineup, get some minutes, and see what he does there, right? Especially with guys like Kyrou and Thomas that could help, you know, rejuvenate his his production. Yeah, and the more so reason why I keep bringing up Gavrikov when it comes to Edmonton, less about the fit. But I just I've been eyeing Edmonton and Columbus as the trade partners because it's just like if you want to do right by Pugliarvi, reunite him with Line a or reunite him with like an Aho, like reunite him with someone that he's gonna kind of rebound his career on and then like get an asset back. I mean, Columbus is the good fit because they're obviously a rebuilding team right now. Um, they have a couple assets that the Oilers could look at, depth, but also Gavrikov a defenseman. So to me, I would just yeah. I would keep an eye on that kind of deal because I hey this podcast might be outdated as soon as the Pugliarvi stuff comes out because I Lucas right now based on what you've seen on, on waiver behavior this year do you think Pugliarvi would get claimed? Oh man, this is a, this is a hot one. I I, th- I initially cap thought, it right like I, I initially I thought no I initially thought absolutely and then when yeah once you had brought that concern up I started thinking wait. Why would someone claim him with the fact that his production hasn't been good, his cap hits risky, all the things that we're talking about? So my my inkling is going to be, no, I, I don't think he would be claimed. And immediate, um, it immediately helps with the Oilers. If, sure, sure, the Oilers would love a great scenario of getting an asset back for Pugliarvi, but this year is just, it's not happening, I think. Yeah, sure, it can be part of a one-for-one swap for just something, but again, that'd be a team helping out the Oilers, I think just, to yeah, kind of- yeah, yeah. And I, I wouldn't think any of these teams would, would want to give that helping hand. So no, I think you'd have to go in a move with money coming back the other way to make it work. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? So yeah, we've kind of tried a lot of Oilers talk here, but it, it's kind of the topic of, of conversation of defensemen and the Oilers have been in that Eric Carlson conversation. They were in that Chickering conversation, but we'll see what route, uh, happens but lucas anything else that's kind of happened in the, in the nhl world i guess a lot of trade rumors but since tarasenko we didn't really talk about it too much but since that like again it's we're just waiting for the nether another bomb to drop yeah let's wait for that bomb to drop i'm happy we got you know pretty much you know a large chunk of this episode dedicated to the oilers um because i feel like we've had so many canucks episodes so let's give yeah. The Edmonton Oilers, their props. Um, Flames, we had might a fl- be talking yeah, we about had a, your name. Yeah, yeah we had we a Flames chat with Audie James. Yeah, so there you go. And so- um, we did, yeah, earlier in the year, we had the Jets with Jesse Pollock. But don't worry, folks. We'll go for another Jets uh, guest at some point here. But past that, Lucas, I just feel like we're also... I'll just say this. I, I've kind of discussed this with Lucas, but for everyone listening... We might mix in a, a live pod here or maybe a pod on a different day if there's like at a, like if there's a big trade and we want to extend it into something like obviously I'll make a video always uh, like a breaking news video but hey, if like an Eric Carlson trade goes down or like something along those lines we might have to dedicate like a whole pod. Yeah, <laughs> so man. we might have to scream the emergency balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah emergency podcast even if yeah. it's just a, a quick 30 minute episode dropping uh we might have to do something like that. So keep an eye out. Uh I'm going to keep my contacts. Lucas will do the same fresh so if we got jets news hopefully we can hit up a jets uh rep or if we got oilers news hit up an oilers rep but uh we'll try to do that more especially if uh big trades happen during the week so anything else lucas i i feel like just overall uh the leafs just to we always mix in leafs because it's it's our boys 
easy schedule coming up on paper, but we know the Leafs, they struggle against these weaker teams at, at times, especially what we just saw Saturday night. Buddy, I'm so happy that Saturday night, you know, obviously Valentine's Day didn't fall on a Saturday this year. So I spent time with the lovely girlfriend on Saturday and I'm so happy I did that over watching that that horrendous game where they lost on home ice to Columbus. Like I I think I spent a total of five minutes on that game and I'm so happy. That's the way it it shaped out really. Well, Lucas, (laughs) you know what Saturday night for me, and this was the best way I actually put it was it was uh, it was back to normalcy with the Leafs losing to a weak opponent, Justin Hall looking abysmal and Morgan Riley playing better. There you go. (laughs) Oh, hold on. Hold on. One more, one more. And leaving a young goaltender out to dry. A yep. young goaltender out to dry. Yeah. <laughs> Just like we saw with Casimir Kaskuso, our boy who was on the pod early on. Yeah. I don't know if you saw his tweet, Johnny. He wasn't yeah. happy about him. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Well, I, I think he had a pretty good game. And so it's really unfortunate because I think they tried to set him up for success in the best way possible, like against a weak opponent, yep. the second back to back at home. home. So it's like you were hoping for wool because you're getting a tired blue jackets team traveling to Toronto and at home, all these things like they John, just, it's, they, <laughs> you know uh, what? This is a crazy spiral, but it, it's unbelievable how f- like fast narratives change in this market because all I could think about going into that game was if Joseph wall pulls a shutout out of his ass tonight, are we having the conversation about wall pushing Murray? Yeah. Like, do we, we don't even need Murray, right? Like that, yeah. that's where I thought this narrative was going to go. And that's why it changed game. quickly. Cause now Matt Murray, uh, they sent wall down and Matt Murray yeah. will be back within the next week or two. But so. like, but like, anyways, it's just crazy how things, how fast things change, but so you know what? The, the Leafs, the Leafs overall, just a quick little cap on the epi. They don't deserve to, to be at the top of the Atlantic. Cause they lose games like this. Like I, I, yeah. I don't even feel you know, bad for them at all because they lose games that Boston would have put these two points in the bag in the first period. They would have been up already. Like, it's unbelievable. So uh, we'll leave it there for Toronto. Dubis, please do something, buddy. We're begging. Do something. Luke Luke Shen. Luke Shen. (laughs) No no garbage, like, packages for garbage rent. Like, when I say garbage packages, I mean something we're going to get pissed about. Don't be throwing these packages together for a rental. You know what? I just... I want to have a feeling like with Felino and with some of these deals, like, I want to have a feeling of like pure, like for make me forget, make me be that naive fan again. Make me forget about all these past first round exits because every year I feel like I'm only one of a few fans that has that memory versus like, Hey, it's playoff time. Like I, I don't get me wrong. I'm always excited watching. The oh, but you're playoffs. a pessimist though. Let's call I'm it the way I'm such a is. pessimist. I'm such you a are. pessimist. I, I get so excited for my team and I get into it, but it's like, I'll always remember these. Like I was that naive fan again when Tavares scored. That go-ahead goal towards the end of the second period against Tampa in Game Six, I was that I was that optimistic, naive fan again, Lucas. And then, boom. <laughs> so you know what? I just give me that Dubis and go for like, man. Just I don't care. I don't care about the offseason. I care about the now. I'm so tired of this. Go for a Meyer. Go for a big name. I want to feel that again. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Or there's fans that listen to this pod and Mark Spector talk. I'm sure a lot of you are on that conversation with Eric Carlson. And hey, I love EK. I'd love him on Toronto. It could work, but uh, that cap, it's tough. But uh, hey, we've seen crazy things happen. I, I honestly hope it drops. I, I hope the Eric Carlson trade happens because that means we're competing with the NBA traded line, and that's a dub. Yeah, man. Well, let, let's let's put a bow on it. We got two months exactly. I just looked it up, confirmed, till the last day of the NHL season. So yep. we're in the final two months here. Before and playoffs. less than a month to the trade deadline. 
Let's less do than it, a month. Let's so yeah, thank you so much to everyone that listened on Spotify, Apple. Keep it going. Make sure, hey, little homework for all the viewers that we really appreciate. Shoot, shoot the pod to a friend. If you have a friend that's into hockey, uh, into a friend that wants to, especially, hey, I know a lot of people that are always looking for a live stream on trade deadline day. If you're one of those people and you know you know friends that are that are always looking for trade deadline stuff, we're gonna be live all day on trade deadline. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know when Lucas will be joining, but I'm gonna be aiming for uh, an early eight nine a.m. start. Buddy, I'll be there all day. All and day. I'll go until five, and we're gonna try to bring guests on. So look out for that. But a lot of news coming, a lot of different stuff coming for us on the pod. So Spotify, Apple, YouTube. Lucas, anything else we need to plug here? That's it, man. You did it all. You did it all there. Episode 25, man. Quarter of the way to Hana. We're we're hoping for big guests, as we said. Trade deadline, playoffs. And then I even know we're gonna aim for those NHL guys in the in the offseason. Hey, you know what? Big steps. We're going through our different uh steps and tiers here in the pod, but uh definitely I'll just hey, we'll say to the guests right now, we're locked up on guests for the rest of the month. And uh we got some good guests coming in March as well. So uh thank you to everyone that listened and watched. The Hot Take Hockey Podcast, episode 25. Huge shout out to Mark Spector. Again, go check out his stuff. Thank you to Mark, and we'll hope to chat with him soon. And yeah, Lucas, at 25, great chat. And more trade the line stuff to come too. Have a good one, guys. Peace. Peace.